0: morning, everybody. A couple things, a couple little announcements here. Um, I got to have some conversations with people about the, the work I do with story. If you're interested in, in using story in your community, come and talk to me afterwards. Today I have little, we do little online trainings. I have this other book, The Gift of Hard Things. If you bought a book, because the book, you, did you guys buy the books to sell them? We did buy the books. Yeah. If you bought a book from Spark, then you get an additional book and, uh, and it it's called The Gift of Hard Things. Each one's a story about uh, a suffering and then there's exercises to work with it. If you didn't buy a book, these are just $10 if you want to come talk to me afterwards. I'd love to get rid of these and not drive them back to Oregon. <clears throat> so making me any deal actually and you can have a... <clears throat> yeah, that's right. Bring me the extra breakfast food you st- stocked away in your car or whatever. Okay, well let's Let's start with just a little, a little prayer here. Remember, prayer, prayer is rest. You know, the spiritual life is about relaxing. <laughs> it's about trusting. It's about letting ourselves kind of fall back into the everlasting arms. And so let's just take a moment here just to sit, you know, just allowing the swirling children and the noise of people working out front, you know, it's, it's all allowed. It's all acceptable. It's all part of the expression of God in the world. And so see if you might just give yourself a chance with eyes closed as a way of kind of moving inward. You might give yourself the opportunity and permission to just be in the chair that you're in or wherever you're standing. And to just with the eyes of the heart, to glance over and notice the presence of God. Just here, quietly, loving the world into being, humbly serving all of the generosity, hope, work for justice. All those fruits of the Spirit are being buoyed by this gentle friend. And so just take in what is being given. <clears throat> Isn't it nice? You don't have to say anything. You don't have to do anything to receive God's grace and God's love. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence within and among us. We thank you that you never cease your pursuit of us. You never cease your quiet dismantling of all of the defenses and ramparts we erect around our hearts. We thank you that you long for our freedom and for the the full expression of who we are. Help us to increase our trust of you and of one another. And we pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So a friend of mine who, who serves the church in Iceland uh, sent me a story a number of years back. The title it was it was from the, the grapevine is, would be the translation of the of the newspaper in Reykjavik, and the title said, um, "A woman spends three days in search of herself." What had happened? I don't. Some of you may have been to Iceland. You know how they have the, they have this tour called the Golden Circle tour, and it basically basically takes you to all of these incredible physical. Uh, geological sites uh, and vistas uh, across the island there, and you know most of the things that were you know in Game of Thrones or in these different movies like this, and uh, so you, this woman got on the tour bus. She was going to spend three days there in Iceland. They go to the first stop. They view the waterfalls or whatever it was. She decides to change clothes. She changes clothes. She comes back onto the bus. The tour guide says, okay, is everybody here, we missing anybody? And somebody said, yeah, there was a woman uh, who was here about this high, I think she was dressed in yellow, I don't see her. Now the woman was there, but she had changed clothes. She heard this description and also realized she hadn't seen that woman. And so the tour guide says, well, let's go out and, and, and see if we can find her. So everybody goes out and, you know, at each of these stops, there's a ranger station, there's like a tourist store, uh, there's an information kind of booth. And, and you know, Iceland is, is, is young geology. It's a lot of tectonic plates and there's a lot of signs saying it's dangerous. You can fall through the cracks. They lose animals and sometimes they lose people when you go off the trails. So they go and they search around and they can't find this woman and they're very alarmed. The tour guide says, well, uh, you know, we really should move on, but I don't know what to do. And so a group of the people on the tour decide to stay back and to continue the search, including the woman they're looking for. (laughs) She volunteers to stay back. And so they uh, talk to the ranger. They get a description written, five foot two, dark hair, speaks English very well. And, uh, they continue the search. They get the rangers to go out along, off the trail to see if enemies fall in one of these crevices. They stay there the rest of the afternoon, they go back to the hotel and they're very alarmed and they decide they need to report report this to the authorities that this poor lost woman is not there. And so they make a flyer, they contact the police, Um, eventually a helicopter is brought out to search this landscape And the woman spends the next day and a half trying to figure out what happened to this poor woman until one day she's reading the description and she thinks, I think this is me. And so she goes to the police and turns herself in. (laughs) Found, right? I'm the one with the yellow shirt. I just changed clothes. It's kind of familiar. You know, this search for ourselves this search to try to figure out where is my life? I feel like I'm two degrees off from who I should be, from how I should be living. This can't be it. This can't be the full expression of who I am. This is not me as the beloved on the earth. I mean, something's gonna change, right? Something's going to develop. There is gonna be a transformation, right? I mean, I come and I sing these songs and I pray these prayers and I listen to these sermons and I read these books and I do all the self-help stuff. And I'm still this person? When am I going to become the real me? When am I going to find myself? And we're all in this kind of story. You know, A friend of mine is a priest in, in London. And they went and they collected the stories of people's relationship with God. And they made a little book. And they called it the Gospel According to Everyone. And each Sunday morning, they read, have a reading from the Old Testament, a reading from the New Testament, and a reading from the gospel according to everyone. And in that gospel story that you see in that book, which he sent me a copy of it, and in the gospel stories here, you see these moments where we feel lost, when we feel betrayed, when we feel dead inside. And we're trying to find a way to shake loose and to shake out the particular way the Spirit of God uh, shines in us and it's a struggle and it's a work and it's a story we come from love and we return to love but in the middle is the struggle, right, is the struggle and the invitation in the struggle is to repent. How do we do that? Repent, by the way, means just to turn just to turn we, we, we get lost, we get stuck, right? We go down little rabbit trails. We take the wrong, we, we follow the wrong advice. We follow the wrong impulse. And Jesus says, no, 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 this way, back this way. And so we turn, we repent, we change. How does that happen? In the storytelling world we talk about, if you have no change, you have no story. Imagine if the Gospels was, Jesus comes out of the water, he's named Beloved, and he's like, boy, that's beautiful. And he went home and lived as a loving person the rest of his life. Right? We want to see that struggle, that true struggle, of seeking to live love in the world and coming up against that resistance and the way it peels off uh, the outer layers and lets the heart shine in a beautiful and um, transforming way. So, how do we... Um, get out of the cycle of suffering how do we discover ourselves how do we get found instead of lost how do we change how do we become transformed you know because most of us we feel like we're living groundhog day just the same day over and over repeat the same cycle the same problems you know if most of our lives were a movie at least I'll speak for myself if my life was a movie I would fall asleep or walk out by now His character learns nothing. He keeps doing the same things. He thinks by changing locations, he's changing his life, but it's the same stupid story. It's the same dynamics. It's the same problems. You know, just ask his family. He talks about the same things over and over and over again, right? So how do we end the Groundhog Day? How do we break out of that cycle? Well, we've experienced a little bit of some of those practices here. The first thing we do is we rest, we stop, we re- retreat. The first and hardest thing to do to break the cycle of suffering, to have your story actually have uh, a change happen to it, to, 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 to not be stuck in the struggle, is to stop, is to rest. A friend of mine uh, started um, search and rescue up in Marin County, north of San Francisco. He said it's so much easier to find children when they get lost in the wilderness than adults. He said what a child will do if they get lost is they stop and they wait to be found. Adults try to save themselves. And so it makes it difficult because when you're searching, you search one area, they're not there. You go to another area, they've come back to the place you just searched. Right? And so it's kind of a cat and mouse game. And often it can be tragic. Uh, They can never find the person, but a child will stop and lean up against a tree and wait for them to come. This is the first move for change, is we stop. This practice is an ancient practice that you're doing this weekend, to retreat, to, to, to leave the normal habits, to disorient yourself, and to let yourself be overwhelmed by the beauty of the natural world, by the joy of community, getting a little extra sleep. I know the uh, retreat department here is just like, we lost an hour, we didn't charge them, they got a free hour.
1: <laughs>
0: That's the way Spark works, right? As, as wise as serpents, as innocent as doves. That's the <laughs> church motto, <laughs> right there. That's right. But, um, so you rest, right? And you watch this in Jesus. You know, Jesus would be fired from most of most churches and most jobs because he doesn't work hard enough. <clears throat> You know, he, he he's always like going off from the crowds, resting up by the lake, being by himself. He doesn't write anything himself. It would have been really helpful just to put a few things down. We've got four different versions, right? But Jesus trusts that he's enough, and so he's able to rest. So the first thing we do is we we rest. Um. And then the second thing, when we're able to rest, we then can remember, right? We remember who we are. We bring back into the body who we are. These, this storytelling we've been doing, you're recalling parts of your life. Your life. Uh, at the end of Matthew, you know, Jesus says, his last words to his friends, his disciples is, remember, because you're going to forget, you're going to get lost, you're going to get too busy, you're going to get caught up in this world, Remember. I'm with you, always, even to the end of the age. So when we stop, we can remember and recall who we are. What am I doing? Why am I living this way? This is not my, how I wanted to live my life. We, we stop, we remember, right? And it's a little bit, when, my, when, when Gracie was, was small, we would take walks downtown from our house, go up this alley, we played this game, we walked this back alley into the downtown of, of Ashland. I would hold her hand and I would have her close her eyes. And she would trust me and I would take her down the alley and I would find a particular spot for her to look at. It might be, uh, you, know, you know, a, a lavender plant that, with the blooms and there's, and there's uh, uh, bees in them. And I'd bring her real close and I'd say, okay, now open your eyes. And she'd open her eyes and, whoa, bees all in this lavender. Okay, now close your eyes. And I'd take her, sometimes because I'm, I'm like Kevin, I have a sinful nature, I would uh, bring her up on the back porch of somebody's house. No, open your eyes. And she goes, Dad, I'm in somebody's yard. You know, and run her back down. And then trust. And that, that little rhythm is a little bit like our lives, right? We, we go out in and we're doing things and we're seeing things and we're stimulated by things. And often what happens to us is worry. What am I doing here? Boy, that's beautiful. I should be doing this. I wish I had that in my life. Close your eyes. Return, return, remember. <sighs> there you are. Okay, yes, yes, this is who I am. This is who you are, Lord. Yes, this is how I want to live. And then we open our eyes. And we start grasping, wondering, you know, I should have left this retreat earlier. Why didn't I pack our bags before? I'm never going to check out on time. It's 12 o'clock. Close your eyes. Okay, return. It's going to be okay. They're not going to find me. We'll get home all right. It'll be okay. Open your eyes. What's my son doing now? Why does he have all that stuff on him? Did he eat any food this morning? I thought my husband was going to take care of this. He didn't do it. Close your eyes. <laughs> remember, return, you know. This is the rhythm. And we need that remembering to get grounded back into our true self, That one, uh, the one who holds us uh, and keeps us, despite all the craziness of this life. So you rest. You remember. That was Desmond Tutu's rule, remember? Uh, Desmond Tutu saying, Recall, recollect, draw from those moments where you've sensed and known God's grace. Those are wellsprings. If you see your life as a landscape, you have springs of water on your landscape. It's those memories that you shared, those sacred moments. And you can go back to those times where you've encountered God and you can still draw water every time you tell the story, every time you remember and recall. So the arch says go back, recall, draw forth, bring in, let it penetrate the marrow of your bones. Then you go back out, right? So we rest, we remember. And then we have to have relationship. We can't do this alone. Uh, I remember teachers saying, you know, we're only here to walk each other home. That's the purpose of life. We're helping each other walk home. We had a, a, my pastor 10 years ago in our little church, She put a um, notice in our bulletin and she said, I'm starting the Radical Jesus Group. We're gonna meet Tuesday nights at seven o'clock. You wanna be part of the Radical Jesus Group? Seven o'clock in the Fellowship Hall, uh, we're gonna meet. I thought, I I wanna be a part of the Radical Jesus Group. I wonder what this is gonna be like. So I showed up, Uh, our church is about 200 people, 250 people, there were about 30 of us who came to the Radical Jesus Group. So we got in a big circle and our pastor said, okay, I was thinking the other day, I would really like to follow the radical Jesus. I don't really know how. So I thought, well, maybe I'll start a group. So now we're all here. Anybody got any ideas? (laughs) How do we, how should we do this? And as a matter of fact, everybody had an idea of what we should do. You know, when someone's saying like, you know, we've got a lot of unhoused people. You know, I know they, we, have, we have a meal service at night, but that's not enough. You know, people need socks, they need medical service, they need to know how to navigate uh, government services. We need to be advocating for affordable housing. We need to start a group and do something with this building and make something and kind of list that out. And that's a big conversation around that. You know, um, there's still a lot of um, prejudice and oppression of LGBTQ people. We don't even have a pride parade in this town. We've got to get something going for the rights of those people. And a bunch of ideas were on that. Somebody said, you ever listen to AM radio? You should hear some of the anger and hatred that you hear on some of these stations. We've got to get those shows off. It's poisoned into people's brains. We've got to find another way to, to, to fight some of these things. We have to start a radio show or a podcast or something that shows another way of being in the world. That came up. All around the circle, everybody had an idea. And by the time we finished of everybody's idea of how to live like the radical Jesus, we were exhausted. <laughs> and our pastor was exhausted and said, wow, okay, there's a lot of stuff and a lot of ideas Um, why don't we pray about it? And then let's come back and see what we should do. The next week, we went from 30 people to about 20. Right? And this time, people showed up with plans to how to do their idea to follow the radical Jesus. I went and looked at the building. We could build a shower downstairs. I think we could find a way that we could uh, uh, get training and how to help uh, fight for affordable housing and and help some of the folks who are unhoused. Somebody else said, you know, I was thinking, we we don't have enough uh, programs for mental the mentally ill here in town and I think we could combine with the hospital, they had all these plans. I've been listening, I identified the shows on the AM radio that I don't like that I think are full of a lot of hatred and we could take these on, we could write a letter writing campaign to protest them, see if we can get them off. kind of goes around the circle like this. And again our pastor just said, I just have to say if this is following the radical Jesus, I think I'm out. This feels exhausting. How are we going to do all this? And all of a sudden I don't remember who said it, but somebody in the group said, what if we just tried for a little bit to practice the radical Jesus with one another and then um, see how that teaches us how to serve the community? pastor said, that's a good idea. Everybody pray about this, and you come next week and you tell the group how you need the radical Jesus to come into your life. The next time we showed up, there were 12 of us right? And one person started, how do you need the radical Jesus? Guy said, my dad was a handyman. He was also very distant. He was hard to relate to. He, he knew how to fix everything. He never showed me how to do anything. And his biggest shaming comment was never hire a repair person. You can do it yourself. But he never taught me. This guy was like 50 years old. He's sharing this, right? He says, we have a toy, a sink that's plugged up in our bathroom. It's been plugged for over a year. And it fills me with shame that I don't know how to fix it. Would somebody come to my house and show me how to do this? Guy, I said, I know how to do that. I'll, I'll help you. Another woman said, I've been struggling with my weight and my health for years. I'm ashamed. And I would like to start exercising, but I just can't get myself to do it. Would someone be willing to take walks with me so I could just start to get my body moving? Yeah, I take walks in the morning. Somebody said, I can do that with you. Somebody else said my finances are a mess, Uh, my credit cards are out of control, I don't know how to do accounting, I don't know how to do my books, hey listen, I do that for a living, I'll come over to your house, I'll help you We all confessed a need and we all began to find ways to help each other meet these needs This went on for three months until we all found a way to help each other grow in these ways Within two years, we started a homeless breakfast. We rebuilt our basement to put showers in. We started a socks program. We helped start the pride parade. We developed a podcast that had the stories of changed people. All the original dreams, many of them happened once we slowed down and learned to practice the presence of Jesus with one another. This is an incredible gift you have here. You have people longing in the same direction sitting around you right now. How can you begin to tell the truth about what you need and allow Jesus to move through and among you in a way that grows this community? And I mean grows you in Christ in a way that frees you, in a way that allows us to change uh, in, the, in the ways in which God longs for us to change. Okay? So we rest, we remember, we relate to one another, we walk each other home And in that space, we can repent. In the safety of resting and remember and in relationship with one another, it gives us the strength and the courage to say, I'm gonna do something different. I'm not living Groundhog Day one more time. I'm going to serve. I'm gonna let go of something. I'm gonna change. Could you guys help me? Would you hold my hand? Would you hold my hand? I need to take a step this direction but I can't do it by myself. Would you pray for me? Would you help me? Show me how to fix the sink. Right? Show me how to keep the books. Show me how to let go of things that are killing me. Can you help me? We need each other. That's how Christ moves within and among us. We cooperate with God's presence and we return to our first love and, the, and what it looks like and what it feels like is not this kind of willpower, this kind of gutting it out, this, the, these models we have in our culture. What Jesus says is that, remember when Jesus says, unless you change and become like a little child, it should feel like that. It should feel like childhood trust. It should feel like childhood curiosity. It should feel like childhood wonder. It should feel like that innocence that is still in you that says, you think, I, you think I could be different? Do you think I could live? Do you think I could trust? It's that childhood, um, original innocence that we're seeking to return to. That's the nature of it. It's, and when we're supporting one another, we, we, we come back to that same kind of pure friendship that sometimes we knew when we were little. Right, That kind of trust, that kind of truth-telling. Does this make sense? If the change is natural. You know, mostly we're just resisting it. You don't have to gut yourself into another way of being. You, don't have, you can't engineer your transformation, but you can participate. You, you can surrender. You can give up and, and allow God to carry you into the next thing that you're seeking. A way, give you relief from the suffering, the cycle of suffering that each of us is often trapped in. Let me give you a closing image and then we'll do a a little exercise here. Here it is. So um, I was a freshman in, in college, Willamette University, Salem, Oregon. I was so excited to go to school. I was excited to learn. My first class was an English class. We sat around a table. There were 14 of us. I remember having my notebook out. I remember Mr. Sutliff up there talking about story and language and novels and what we'd be reading. And, and I was taking notes like crazy when five, ten minutes into the class, the door opens and in walked loveliness. <laughs> this, you know, I was 18 years old and this young woman walks in and I just looked at her just just like immediately like, wow, you know, long, dark hair and this, little kind of bow mouth and these dark eyes and just the way she moved and, and she came and she sat in the chair next to me. And suddenly I didn't care about English or that <laughs> class or college or learning anymore, right? I just could feel the heat and the presence of this person next to me. And what I began to do, just sitting there, we're, we're, we're facing kind of to the left, she was on my right. I'm just thinking like, how do I get the attention of this creature, you know, how do I, how do I find, and and I'm just thinking about this, and and so I move my paper, for my notes, over a little bit, and I thought, maybe I'll just write something, you know, here that she'll see, and so I'm trying to think of what to write, and I finally write on the paper, sometimes I hold a fork in front of my face and pretend everyone around me is in jail. And I hear, it was a little delay, but about 30 seconds, I hear her trying to repress laughter. (laughs) And so I'm kind of smiling, kind of enjoying this. And after a little while, I look down the paper. She has written, she's left-handed, written something on the paper. And what it says is... I'm actually a lady cat in human clothes. (laughs) And I look over at her and she says, (laughs) Meow. And now I'm trying not to laugh, right? And so we start writing these funny little comments on the side, and neither of us are learning anything. We're getting dumber (laughs) being in college. Until um, the class ends, and I sort of turn to to talk to her for real, because we haven't spoken to each other. When some guy, we, we were at this large rectangular table, some guy from across us comes over, puts his arm around her, and they walk out. Oh my gosh, I can't believe this. That afternoon I go to Spanish class. I'm sitting in Spanish class, my first, first time I'm in this class, kind of sitting in the back, and in walks this young woman, and she walks in, and again, I see her and I kind of light up, and a guy, a different guy, comes over and is affectionate with her, and they go and sit together. Right? And I'm like, what is going on here with this woman? Right, I was on the cross-country team. At the end of the day, I go, to cross, I go we were supposed to meet on the track. And I meet on the track, sitting there with the team. The coach is talking to us. We're kind of sitting in the stands, and the coach is talking to us. And I see this young woman come up onto the field with a different guy. <laughs> and they kind of greet each other with a kiss, and then they go run a workout together. And I'm like, this is going to be difficult. <laughs> I, am, I have a lot of competition here, <laughs> right? And so I start trying to figure out how can I get this young woman to notice me. They had a thing about a month in, and, and every day I would sit in that class next to her and we would write these funny things, but we never would speak. And I knew partly because she was dating a guy across from us. And. Um, so I start to find, try to figure out these different ways and one time uh, they, they, they had a, for a fundraiser for a nonprofit. They you could buy flowers and have the flowers delivered to different students, kind of like a secret uh, thing and so I decided I would buy the flower and then I would act like I was also the delivery person. And so I bought the flower and knocked on her door at, uh, in, in her dorm and the door opens and here's this other guy I've never seen in my life before. <laughs> who I handed the flower to and said, could you give this to this, this young woman? Um, and so I'm trying all these different tactics and finally I just, one night we watched Romeo and Juliet, Zeffirelli's Romeo and Juliet in our dorm, if you remember this, and I was so filled with longing and love in our dorm after watching this movie and I knew this is the person that I went and got my guitar and I'd been learning these love songs from my grandpa sent me these, these, uh, this book of, of songs and I went and I knew she had a her dorm room, she had a little balcony she actually lived in a sorority 11 o'clock at night I called out she came out and I started singing I love you truly, truly I do and I was kind of hamming it up and acting goofy but I also was deadly serious and I was singing this song up to her, right? And she's looking over and she's cracking up and her roommate comes up and they're laughing and I'm singing all these songs. And, and then one of these boyfriends comes out, <laughs> puts her ar- his arm around her and looks down. And he's kind of like, that's great, dude. And I'm just like, I can't believe this. So now it's Thanksgiving break. It's November. I go home. I tell my brother, and my friends, how I'm just sick. I'm sick with love for this person. And I tell them, you know, she's got all these other boyfriends. And I, my friends are listening to me. My brother's listening to me going like, you're making a fool of yourself. It's very clear she's not interested. She's got other people, you know, what are you doing? Stop acting like this, there's plenty of people to date. You need to give up on this. And I finally admit you're right, this is, this is ridiculous. I'm just causing my own suffering. So you know, it's Thanksgiving break, I'm home. This is Wairika, California, it's a town just below the Oregon border. Uh, you know, we have the Thanksgiving holiday. Friday comes on the Saturday after Thanksgiving and some of us remember, this is the old days, right? No internet, no cell phone, this kind of stuff. I'm talking about the mid-80s here. A letter arrives. And I open the letter, and it's from this young woman. And she has made a drawing of a guy, a little stick figure, playing guitar, singing songs, up, and a young woman looking like this on the balcony down. And she says in there, don't stop singing. And I think... I am in this race. <laughs> she wrote this letter to me, right? So I get this thing. And the next day, we're going to head back up to school. And you know, I call information. I find out. You know, I know she lived in Oakland, Oregon, which is along the I-5 freeway on our way back up to Salem, on the way back to school. And so I, I call her. She gets on the phone, I say, hey, I got your letter. Oh, good, I'm glad you got it. You know. Hey, um, are you going, uh, I, I can't wait to see you at school tonight. Oh, we have family from out of town and I don't really have class till Wednesday so I'm staying here an extra two days. No, you can't stay an extra two days, you gotta come. No, I have to stay. Well, can I see you on the way? Yes, I'd love to see you. Great, I think I'll have her isolated away from school and the other guys <laughs> I wanna do this. So I tell my friends, hey, we're heading back home. Can we pull off? I'm, 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 I'm actually catching a ride with two buddies. Can we pull off in this little town of Oakland? I want to see this girl just for a little bit. You guys are going to love her. She's amazing. And then of course, they're like, no way, we're not doing this. We just want to get back to school. And I think, we'll all convince them. We get in the car, we're driving north, and I'm telling them how amazing she is. And they keep saying, like, we're not stopping. Okay, just so you know, we're not stopping. And I say, yeah, but, you know, maybe we get gas there, and I can see her there. No, we're not doing that. And we're driving, but we left late, like 6, 7 o'clock at night, Sunday night, and it's starting to snow. And as we go over the pass, if you've ever driven that highway and we're coming into Oregon, the snow was coming down, you know, just kind of flakes and then dimes and then nickels and then heavy quarters, just heavy snow. And we pull off uh, at this town in in, uh, Roseburg and we're about 20 miles from her town and we're getting gas and I go to a payphone and I said, hey, is there any way you could come down here? And she's like, well, no, you're like 20 miles from me. Can't you stop it? No, my friends won't stop and the snow's coming down and she goes, Well, my mom keeps saying, you know, you're going to make a way here. And I said, well, tell your mom I'm trying, but, you know, I'm not in charge of the driving. I'm not in charge of the car. I really want to see you. And there's this longing going back and forth off the phone, but we can't figure it out. I hang up the pay phone. We get in the car, and we start to drive. And I'm pleading with my friends. I'll pay for the rest of the gas. I'll buy dinner. Let's just pull over at this town. No, they say. We pass the exit to Oakland, Oregon. We go one mile, two miles, and then the traffic is stopped. And we sit there, we sit there, we sit there, we sit there. The snow is piling up and coming down. It's one of those kind of, it's so, we're so stuck that people are getting out of their cars. And so we're talking to truckers, and truckers are on their CVs. And they say, yeah, there's a, there's a truck jackknifed up on Rice Hill, and it's, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a while. So we wait half hour, 45 minutes. It's now 11 o'clock at night. We're standing out there. And all of a sudden, it just comes to me. Go find her, and I realize I have the letter with her address. It's before cell phones, right? So this is old school. And so I just turned to my buddies and I said, "You know what? I'm leaving. I'm going to go find this girl." And they're like, "What are you talking about? You're going to find this girl?" I said, "I have her address. I'll find it." They said, "How are you going to find it? It's the middle of the night. You're just going to walk around. It's a small town. I can find it." I get my bag. I hopped the freeway divider. I walked down I-5 for two miles because traffic's completely stopped on that side as well. In the snow, go up the exit, drop into town. Her, the street she lives on is Oak Street. This is Oakland. And I start looking around, you know, it's middle of the night, Pine Street, Elm Street, Oak, Oak Street. And I knew it, I just knew it. I knew love was going to lead me and guide me. And I found Oak Street, and I find the house number and I go up to the door, right? It's past midnight, lights are off, but I knock on the door, dog barks, light turns on and all of a sudden the door opens and there's a man, right? He's in a robe and I say, hey, um, I'm not a weirdo. (laughs) I'm just a guy who, um, well, I know your daughter, I don't know if she's mentioned me but um, we've been spending some time together and uh, I just wanted to know if she could come to the door and I could just say hi I don't need to come inside Uh, I just wanted to say hi to her and then I'll leave And this guy's like, you know my daughter? I said, yeah. And he said, and you want to talk to my daughter? Yeah He said, my daughter's five years old And I was like, I don't know your daughter actually (laughs) And, he's, and, I, and I started, like, making all these excuses, and he's like, what are you doing? What, what is this? And I said, you know, I, I go to school with this girl and, and uh, Jill, and, and I wanted to see her, and he's like, okay, come inside. So I come inside this stranger's house. We sit at the kitchen table, and I tell him the story. I'm in love with this girl. Here's her name. Uh, her name's Jill Catton, and he's like, oh, okay, her dad is actually my daughter's teacher. Her dad was a kindergarten teacher. And he's like, I know them. And I said, oh, great. And he said, you're on Oak Street. There's also an Oak Avenue or you're on Oak Avenue and you're looking for Oak Street. You're on the wrong street. We have two of these streets. And he said, "Um," so I I said, great. Just tell me how to get there. He said, no, what we're going to do is we're going to call. I said, why? He said, because they don't want to go through what I just went through. (laughs) So we're going to call ahead, tell them what's happening. So he gets on the phone and he calls them himself. I don't even get to talk. He talks to them and he says, okay, they're on their way to come get you. And we sit there. By now, there's over a foot of snow outside and it's still coming down. And we sit, this guy and I, in silence in his kitchen, just waiting. And then all of a sudden, these headlights, you know, moving, the streets haven't been plowed, the street, the car comes up. And I get out my bag and I say goodbye to this guy come down the stairs and the dad is running to me going, you okay? Were you in a car accident? What are you doing here? You know, what happened to you? I heard you were going back to school. And, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, no, no, it wasn't an accident. No, no, I, you know, I, I just walked in. You know, I, I don't want to talk to him. <laughs> I'm just trying to get him to stop talking, right? Because out of the passenger side is this young woman. And she is looking at me and she is like, what are you doing here? I can just see it in her eyes. And though I'm not talking, I'm looking at her like, yeah, I'm here. I did this. And her dad says, okay, well, get in the car. He says, you get in the back. And he says to his daughter, you sit in the front. (laughs) So I sit in the back, but Jill turns. She puts her back up against the dashboard. And she looks at me. And you know, to my dying day, I will never forget us meeting eyes in the snow, silent, moving to her house. We drove the mile through the snow to her home and when we got there, her mother came out, her brother came out, her sister came out, they were all dressed. (laughs) And Jill tells me, my mom said, that young man will be here tonight. I don't know when, but he's coming tonight. And she didn't let anybody go to sleep and she had baked applesauce bread and she had pitchers of hot cocoa and we came inside and 37 years later, we're still married. It's my love story, but it's also has all the plot lines and dynamics and yearnings of our spiritual journey as well. Every one of us longs for love, and there are obstacles. There are side trails. There are times of defeat. There are times we give up. There are times we're at the wrong address, searching in the wrong places with the wrong people. But love is waiting, it is waiting. And like my mother-in-law, Joyce, right? That table is set and no one's going to sleep until you arrive, until you arrive. That's the story we're all engaged in. And my hope in this little time is that you'll just feel encouraged. You'll just feel encouraged, just keep going. Just take the next little step, that's it. Whatever's natural, whatever's possible, in your own journey towards freedom just do, the, just do the next thing Don't worry about what's ahead Just the next little thing And step by step we'll make our way home Amen? Amen, Amen. Amen. So I wanted to do just one little exercise to give you a chance to do this we've, we've done a lot of talking but I wanted to give you a chance just to be with your own thoughts And So I have some paper and pens or you might have your notebooks and pens And what I want to invite you to do, as you think about it, remember our story starts in desire, that longing for love. And then there's struggle and obstacles. And then there's a realization or growth that happens. So I want you to write down maybe three or four sentences. And those sentences are, first of all, just write down whatever comes to you. At this point in your life, my deepest desire, my longing right now that I'm holding, that I'm carrying, what, what is that? Just in one sentence. Maybe it's just one word. What's, what's the desire you're holding right now? Way down deep. What's the longing? And then, one struggle, what's the struggle? What's, what's impeding? What's the conflict? What's the problem that's keeping that desire from being fulfilled? One struggle I have at this time in my life. And maybe it's just a one word you write or one sentence. My deepest desire at this time, one struggle I have, maybe it's one sentence. And then the last thing is my prayer. What's the prayer that you hold for your own life at this point? If you could feel, if you could really feel God's loving presence right here, right with you, what is the prayer that you have? What would you say? So my desire, the desire you're carrying, what's, your de- what's the deep desire you're carrying for your life right now? What's the struggle that you're in? And what's your prayer? And just write those down for yourself on that paper. And you won't have to share these. You, you'll be in charge of, we'll, we will get in groups at some point, but you don't have to share what you wrote. You can just, uh, so you can keep this private if you want. Okay. Um, what I want to invite us to do, just uh, this final time to sort of interact with one another here during this retreat, is f- make, find a group of three or four. Maybe you want to move around, find some people you haven't had a chance to sit with. And the first thing is, you just the question is, what did you notice in writing these two things down? If you want to say actually what you wrote, go ahead. But if you, just, if you don't, you just kind of talk, well, I kind of noticed these things. You know, you, you're in charge of your own sharing. What did you notice? And everybody will go around and share what they noticed. Okay, so everybody in the group, what did I notice in writing down this desire and this struggle? Everyone will share that. Remember our rules, person shares, everybody just says thank you, no comments, um, no questions. And when everybody has finished, then go around a second time and ask for what your prayer is. What do you need prayer for? And the way we'll do this is, you'll just say, you know, I would really appreciate prayers that I would find more trust um, for my family or whatever it is. And after you share that, I want to invite your little group to pray for that person. You know, most of us are not professional prayers. So just do, you know, just say what's simple, what's honest, what you feel, um, and pray for that person. And then the next person will go. My prayer, in very simple words, my prayer for my life right now is this. The prayer I'm holding is this. And then let the other two or three people pray for you. Okay? And and then until everyone has had a chance to first of all talk about what they noticed in the exercise, say thank you, what their prayer is, and everybody got a chance to get prayed for. We're willing to try this out. You know, we're all just beginners. We're all just children on our first day of school. That's the mindset, you know, beginner's mind. And we're all just trying to help each other. Okay? Okay, so find, find a little group of two or three. Share what you noticed and what your prayer is and then pray for one another. So w- what, in the little prayer time with your, with your group there, as we come to the close of this weekend, what is God trying to say to us? What do you hear? Just from your little group and from your little time. Give us a sentence or a word and we'll just popcorn them up that God's trying to say to us at this point. Trust me. Trust me. Fresh. Fresh. This desire's not new, it's been there a while. Yeah. Maybe even planted in you. Mhm. Potential. Potential. Rest. Rest.
1: Share.
0: Share. Yeah.
1: Connect.
0: Connect. Well, why don't we close this time with this song, Kevin? I think this, is, this was about story, and I hope you felt the power of what it's like to t- testify to one another about what you've lived and suffered and overcome, and to hold each other's burdens and each other's gifts and encourage each other on the way. And this song is about our story and about new beginnings and the courage it takes to keep going and to know that you're not alone that Jesus walks with us and runs after us and pursues us and leads the way at the, all at the same time. Thank you for your trust. Let's sing together at the time of closing.
1: Something's been stolen.